Hello, Cubs fans, and welcome to a brand new edition of Cubs on Tap. I am Ron Luce, and I am joined by four or three of the other four gentlemen here at Cubs on Tap. No Tyler Edmonds, unfortunately, with us tonight to round out all five, but we got four of the five here with you again. I am Ron Luce, joined by Nick Hudson, the Juice Man, and Mr. Joey Ricotta himself. Gentlemen, hello. How are you guys? How's things going as we start off a brand new week? Doing good, man. Doing great, yeah. Belly's back. We love That's that. That's cool. It is good. Joey's back. Good. Joey's back. I hit it. I'm here. <laughs> I'm good, man. <laughs> good. How's everybody doing? Hey, we're uh, we're good. We're good, we're good man. man. And hey. Let's dive right into this thing, gentlemen, right? Because we got big news to talk about. We got a lot of topics on the docket for today. Uh, Scott says here in the comments, uh, we are. We're back to back with the Dingers boys today. They just concluded up a little bit ago. Uh, We're here for the second cap of tonight's episode. Uh, They were very belly-centric. It was a good show with Mitch and Jeff. Be sure to go check that out over on the YouTubes. Um, But we're here talking. I mean, we've got a full slate here for you guys tonight. We're excited to get into it. Uh, We'll say hello to our comment section. Hello, Bernie. Hello, Dad. How are you? Jeremiah says, the week one was nice and uneventful. And uh, let's get into some of that uneventfulness because you guys were, well, at least most of you guys were awake. I sure as hell was not. I was long out cold when this happened. But overnight, Saturday night, Cody Bellinger officially signs back with the Cubs. The deal is for three years and $80 million. For those that might not have seen the contract details just yet, uh, really it comes down to it's one guaranteed year and then it's options every year. So he can opt in for the second year. It's first year's 30 million bucks, second year's 30 million bucks, and then that third year's 20 million bucks. Um, so gentlemen, let's get right into it. Initial thoughts, initial thoughts on the contract, initial thoughts on Bellinger returning. Um, just what went through your head when that news broke? overnight going into Saturday. Nick, we'll start with you, buddy. We haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, man. Uh, For me, it was like a fever dream. I had uh, been getting into a lot of beverages that night, some other fun, and I I was up here. And I looked down at my phone, and I'm like, this isn't real, right? And I show my girlfriend, I'm like, is this real right now? And she's like, yes, that's that's Jeff Bassan. And I'm like, no, it's it's another troll. I click on it. I go to the profile. It is. It's real. It's real. Then I'm like, 80? 80? What the heck? And just this joy (laughs) starts rushing to me because I'm like, Scott Boris, you lost, man. You did not get that big number that you wanted. And I was like, as much as I want Belly to get paid, which he is getting paid, and he is getting some great opportunities within the contract that I'm sure we're going to discuss. Scott Boris, as a baseball fan, I just despise. So it was great to see, you know, they didn't fall for his game. Jed stood, Pat, he knew exactly what number he wanted for Belly. We talked about some reservations that we even had with some lucky hitting last year, things that went well. Um, but you're getting a guy back that is crucial to the chemistry of this team. When we were at CubsCon, I felt it. You could feel it from the guys that Belly was like – you know, the foundation of what they went on that big run last year from to save Mm -hmm. the team, to stay together. So I'm elated. I was so excited to see it. Elated is definitely a good word. Juice, how are you feeling when all this broke down? Uh, Not not too surprised. I thought that the way the market kind of played out, this was 
probably more likely than not, given the fact that you know, San Francisco has been whipping on every player that they try to lure in there. And the Yankees, too, and, and when the uh, Blue Jays had added some outfield depth earlier, it was like this ended up being one of Billy's only places that made sense, and it's a comfortability thing. I, you know, just to build on what you said, Nick, it's it's interesting that you made the comment about, you know, Forrest losing. It looks like he's going to take a couple more losses in the next couple weeks, too, because he does have, you know, three to four more players that are out there that probably aren't going to get high market dollar at this point in the offseason. But I think the numbers make sense. I think it's a good contract. It ends up being more or less an incentive-based deal because – if Cody Bellinger wants to, you know, try to get a bigger payday than what he did this last offseason with the Cubs, this three-year three deal, he's going to have to perform at a high level and show it again that he can do what he did last year and stay healthy. And I think that that's one of those situations where it's win-win. If Cody plays well and he ends up opting out of this contract, then you got your 30 home runs and 100 RBIs probably. So – but if he doesn't, you still have that potential of a good player that's liked in the in the clubhouse at a dollar amount that over the next two years following this year in that contract just isn't it's not daunting. It's not something that the Cubs can't swallow or find a way to move off of their books even because it's a shorter-based contract. So I think it's win-win for the Cubs, and I just want to just send all the people who said the Jets sucked at his job because at the end of the day – there was no incentive for the Cubs to go out and give a huge $200, $300 million deal right off the bat to Cody Belcher. There just shouldn't have been. And he waited. He was patient. He let the market come to him. And that's how baseball teams are made. That's how you have flexibility to do things more. That's how you're able to obtain your players and keep them. And the Cubs right now are in a great spot because Cody Belcher is highest paid. It's a short-term deal. And the Cubs have a plethora of young talent that we're seeing throughout spring training that's going to be able to supplement this when Cody Bellinger maybe isn't here anymore. So win-win, the Cubs seem to be in a good spot. And kudos to Jed for, you know, getting on Twitter and immediately going, oh, I have to throw seven years for $200 million at a guy who realistically is only coming here. So I'm excited to see what you do in the, in the second Encore of Cody Bellinger's yeah, well, well put. Joey, do you want to add anything to that? Yeah, we have to give him 200, whatever he wants, because we're only projected to win 80 to 82 games this year on paper. The projections are showing us how could you put us in this situation? Gosh, Jed Hoyer, is he just bad at his job? Is he just bad at his job? So bad. Uh, yeah. Worst GM in the league. <laughs> I just – I love it, man. I, I love it. Jed strikes again. And you know what? To us sitting here on this show, as you said, Juice, I don't think it's a surprise. I don't really don't think it's a surprise. I do wonder, though, was this like a collective effort from owners and GMs alike to kind of like hashtag boycott Boris this offseason? Um, I don't know. I just think that the Cubs are very smart with what they're trying to do right now. And um, – you can like it or hate it being a, uh, a fan of a team that's in a big market that has a ton of money that can shell out as much money as they want. 
Um, but I think we're, we're kind of looking at this, or at least, you know, my thought process seeing this is the Cubs can now see what happens with the prospects and who they need to give extensions to. And this goes back to conversations that we've had over the last two to three years, honestly, on this show. Um, you want to make sure you have that, that right player to give the extension to. And then now what this does, too, with the shorter term contract, and they back themselves into this, honestly. Boris and Bellinger kind of back themselves into this because I, I do believe the Cubs would have given him a five-year contract uh, had it been earlier in the in the market or five, maybe even six years. It had it been earlier and had it been at the right number. Wasn't at the right number, and, uh, you know, you do what you can. I don't think it's a terrible contract for Bellinger, though, because he can, like Juice was saying, he can't hit that open market as soon as next year, and it's effectively a one-year deal, one-year deal, one-year deal. Um, but I do see this playing out possibly as a situation where even if he does play really well next year, um, let's say he just doesn't hit that ultimate peak MVP, uh, maybe even close to MVP type of Bellinger season. Uh, but let's say it's another 26 home run season, right? Very good year. Uh, obviously one of the elite players in the game, but um, let's just say it's that instead of, and the, and the metrics still look kind of piss poor. Now we've we've all kind of talked about. It. I mean, we sat here on the show and said it's the two strike approach. The hard hit numbers aren't really that real because he will punch that ball into left field and do all that sort of stuff, right? Um, but I do think that like Bellinger, the Cubs have put themselves in a position now where uh, they can they can lock up, see who's good enough to get that extension. And not all these guys are going to need extensions at the same time, like your Javier Baez, like your Anthony Rizzo like your, um, you know, Chris Bryant at the same exact year because you can figure out which ones you need uh, moving forward. So good job for Bellinger to be able to get out of the deal too, I guess. Like that's that's solid for him. But overshadow next offseason because a lot of the big clients on the market are Scott Boris clients. Like we were talking about in the group chat. You got Corbin Burns. You've got uh, Juan Soto, Pete Alonzo. Like there's a lot of big names on the market next year. And who's to say that Bellinger – uh, is playing at the same level as those guys. So will he get the long-term contract that only your upper-tier, high-dollar-paying teams are willing to shell out? And I don't know if that's the case. So maybe we're in here, boys, for uh, two good seasons of Bellinger. I'm hoping that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like and subscribe so Joey can upgrade to fiber optic. Uh, Joey, your internet's <laughs> getting absolutely cooked in the comment section right now. I don't know if you've been able to see this one. Uh, well, I can't started, even see the comments. Um, it started. It started with Jeremiah saying Joey sure loves his popcorn. My dad followed that up with saying we need to start a GoFundMe for your tech. Uh, Jeremiah said there's no need because you're almost never here because hashtag where's Joey. Uh, and then Scott followed that up with a like and subscribe so you can get fiber optic. <laughs> uh, it was that was an electric display, but Joey, you. Uh, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, but you, you, you nailed it on the head, man. And I, I like what all of you guys Please. had to say. And I think I'm gonna drop my Venmo. Yeah, drop, drop. <laughs> Joey's dropping his Venmo in the comments for uh, for that fiber optics, uh, Scott. But you know, I, I think you guys all nailed it on the head. And I, I think what was so impressive about this at the end of the day was is that Jed. All offseason, Jed has stuck to his guns, right? Like he's he's willing to pay what he thinks guys are worth and what makes sense for them if the guys want to be here. And we saw that with a guy like Shota Ibanaga, who 
Once upon a time was being rumored to get $100 million coming over from Japan. He gets half that to come to the Cubs, at least in terms of guaranteed money. Obviously, it can escalate to $80 million over five years if they want to. But regardless, it is still going to be you know cheaper than what he was expected to come in at. Bellinger's the same way. And I, I think a lot of people see this and they go, oh, well, Belly, you know, he didn't get the big deal. Nobody got the AAV. And I think that shows the Cubs were never scared of the AAV. This was never about AAV. This was never about dollars per year with Cody Bellinger. It was always about term. And we we knew that from the start, Boris was going to be begging every team for, you know, the the 10, the, the 9, the 8, the 7 year deals that we see. And the Cubs probably did, Joey, to your point, right? Early in the season, if Bellinger's willing to settle on that five-year deal, I bet you that would have happened early on. Five years at $30 million a year, so 5-150. I bet you that would have happened early on if they got down to that point. Instead, they waited it out. You effectively, I, I personally think this, and I, I've, I went on record today, got to hang out with a friend of ours, a guy that we've gotten to know in this industry now, in Mr. Sean Sierra over at Sean and I in the morning. Talked to them this morning about the Bellinger signing, and I firmly believe this will be a two-year, $60 million deal ultimately at the end of the day when it's all said and done. I think Bellinger's going to walk in and, and play well in year one, but I think he's still going to be in that $30 million range. I don't think anybody's going to give him more than that next year. I think he'll opt out going into that third year instead of taking the $10 million decrease to stay with the Cubs. And that's when he's going to go chase that payday. And maybe maybe Boris has learned his lesson by then because he's got another big offseason coming up where maybe he does get his client a, a, a more advantageous contract with some duration and some length to it in that third year when Bellinger's coming off of those first two seasons. So I think for the Cubs, it's perfect. And, you know, the, the beauty of it said at the end of the day with this is the Cubs are very much confident in what they also have in the minors, right? Because this contract gives them that long-term flexibility. It gives you long-term flexibility with PCA. It gives you long-term flexibility potentially with a Kevin Alcantara in center field. It gives you that opportunity for these guys to still make the big leagues and play meaningful innings for your ball club without completely just cap-strapping yourself with, as my dad said a little bit earlier, a Jason Hayward-like contract. I think that Jason Hayward deal – they might look at it and say, you know what? That was the deal that kept us from adding the way we wanted to and beefing up that core over those years because it was just such a big number and he just wasn't delivering what the contract was worth with the bat. Maybe that's why. So maybe they do sit here and say, hey, we'll pay the AAV. We don't give a damn. Wrigleyville's busting now. It's booming. We got DraftKings Sportsbook opening up. We got every every bar and restaurant practically around there is owned by the Chicago Cubs now. Every rooftop's owned by the Chicago Cubs. The money's not the issue. It's the term. They don't want the the lack of flexibility on a year-to-year basis. And I think I think they nailed it. And you know, my my dad says here, he says Boris is is losing his reality. I, I firmly believe that what uh, a friend of now friend of our program. It finally happened. We said it was going to happen. It happened. But Jack McMullen and the Just Baseball guys, I think, said it best when they were talking about the the Scott Boris dilemma, or as they called it in their show, the Boris Empire. They said he, once upon a time, most likely had was truly the smartest man in the room. He had the data that none of these other teams had and could prop up his clients the way he wanted to with that data. But 
now that that data is so you know abundant and easily accessible to all of these ball clubs now he loses that edge and i think we're seeing it now with, with this current set of negotiations where you know teams are a little more educated going in and they can say no we we're not going to budget your number right away because we think he's worth this and eventually they're going to have to come to that impasse and, and and negotiate so i think at the end of the day this was meant to be juice like you said right the 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 bellinger and chicago fit was there the whole time and i think both players both player and team get what they wanted out of this they get you know belly gets his aav i mean he's effectively if as long as he wants it He's guaranteed 80 million bucks, you know, and, and again, fully guaranteed contracts in baseball. So he's going to get that money if he op continues to opt in every year. And he's still going to be at an age because of where he is right now in his career, where he can turn around and go get that big contract still when it's all said and done. So, yeah, I think that a lot of what you said is true. Ron. I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said. I also think it's a very unique set of circumstances that have happened over the course of this free agency. Sure. I mean, I think there are maybe 10 to 12, maybe above that teams that are concerned about regional sports. Networks. I agree. And there's probably a lot more money out there minus, you know, your guys who are, I mean, look at the end of, of where these Boris clients are looking to go now, now that there's not money left on the table. I mean, it's all major RSM places within the major leagues because that's the ones who can afford to go into that first tier, that second tier of the CBT and deal with that. And I think a lot of teams are starting to realize that, like you said, you can lean on your minor league system, draft well, mm -hmm. so you don't have to go out there and pay huge dollar amounts. But also, you, you can save a bunch of money by drafting well and then just going out and in the middle of your window, spending and only being into that tier one, two, three, maybe you get a three-year run at it where you're a third time offender and you're paying, you know, the, I think at that point it's like 40 to 50 that it's you pay in, yeah. in, in your over your tax. But what's funny is, is teams like the Cubs and all that, they could probably be in it a lot longer if you don't have the back of the regional sports network, you just don't have the safety blanket to be like, all right, well, now the, the revenue money from the network is paying my competitive balance tax. Right. And that's where we're at. And I think it's, it's a really unique set of circumstances, and that's why we're looking at a deal that, that Cody got. I think next year, with all of those Boris clients, it's a whole different story. Because you look at next year, we're going to be a year removed from RSMs. And, and who knows? I would bet you that Amazon is in, because I, there's been a lot of rumors in that, that Amazon is in talks with those regional sports networks to back yep. it, to have that, that dollar amount. And what's going to be interesting is, is in my opinion, next year's free agent class is way better. And it just has a, a better quality baseball player to where I don't think we're sitting with these four Boris clients, if they're next year's four Boris clients, sometime in February going, where are they going? No, I think at the end of the day, we're, it's a unique set of circumstances that kind of led us to where we're at and able to get them at that number. Yeah, and, and my dad followed up here in the comments section saying if, we, if they did not have the depth in the minors that the Cubs have, um, that they might not have been able to play the the years conversation in their favor. I'm going to take that one step further and say, 
they would not have been able to stand on their laurels, I think, as much if they didn't have the confidence in that farm system. Because if Boris turned around and said, no, you need Cody Bellinger, what the hell do you have in center field for the next four, five, six, seven years? It's a whole different story. But the Cubs sit there and go, two of our top five prospects are center fielders. We don't absolutely need Cody Bellinger. And we went and got Michael Bush in the offseason. We've addressed first base. You know, we still have a Matt Mervis in the minor leagues who can come up and play first base. We still have a, a Hayden McGeary who continues to rank on, on top 10 first base prospect lists as well. Like, we have this depth that, hey, if you don't want to sign with us and, and play to what we want to do, that's fine. We don't need to because, like you said, they are the Cubs. They have the flexibility because of Marquee Sports Network. They, they're they in a power position, right? Like you and I, Juice, I remember we sat here and talked about this toward the end of last season when everybody was starting to fire up rumors and things like that. The RSN news started to really come out about a lot of these ball clubs. The Cubs are one of the few teams in the league that have all these consistent revenue streams that they can absolutely guarantee themselves to have. And it was because of that that the Cubs were going to be in the the Cubs were going to dictate their offseason the way they wanted to dictate it. Nobody else was going to dictate it. They were going to dictate it. Hey, we want to go out and do this. We want to go out and do that. But we don't have to. Nobody's got the metaphorical gun to our head telling us that they got to go to tell them that they got to go do it. Right. And, and that was, I think, ultimately what allowed this to work out in the way that it did for the Cubs. And again, Belly's still getting paid. Like he didn't take $17 million like he did last year. You know what I mean? Like he's still getting 30 million a year for at least two years. I, I think it, it really was, though, at the end of the day, like this is still a contract, too, for Bellinger that doesn't break him from getting another big time contract in two or three years. Because he's only going to be, what, 30 going on 31, entering that third year of the contract? I mean, that is still, quote-unquote, prime baseball age, right, for a lot of these players. Especially a guy like Bellinger who can move to first base later in his career and just hit and, and be that kind of guy later in his And real quick, Ron, spoiler alert, this will be the same conversation we have in the trade deadline. Because there will, be, there will be teams out there that are looking to shed half salary at the trade deadline strictly because they don't have the backing of an RSN. Yep, and it's it's going to allow it's going to allow the Cubs to be in a position. I will share one quick comment here from the comment section, um, and then we can go ahead and keep this train moving. Comes from our friend Scott from Iowa. He says Bobby Witt Jr. signing an eleven year, uh, eleven year, two hundred eighty eight point seven million dollar contract as a twenty three year old is going to make an athlete question signing with Boris. I think that's an interesting proposition because. You're starting to see a lot of these younger guys get these bigger contracts once they prove themselves a little bit. And a lot of them are incentive based, though. Like Bobby Wood Jr.'s contract is the exact same way. It's a lot of options built in. Like it's an 11 year deal, but I think after year eight, it's like all options, if I remember correctly, or something like that. Like it's. I remember we were talking the same thing about Mariners. Yeah, Julio Rodriguez. Julio Rodriguez. It's the exact yeah. same way. Uh, yeah. yeah. J-Rod's contract is the exact same way. All these escalators and all these options and things like that. Like, that's kind of – I'm telling you, and we've seen it. Look at this year with the Cubs. Like, I'm a, a firm believer on this. I, I am going to bang the table on this. The creative contract in baseball is going to be more relevant now than ever because of just – these teams are – players are willing to bet on themselves for the really big money, and teams are willing to give them opportunity because if you're hitting those those big numbers and you're getting what you, you deserve to get paid – that means the team's making money hand over fist because you're winning ball games and there's ticket revenue and there's TV revenue and there's all these other different revenue streams that are coming in too. Like 
teams want these guys to go out and go earn it, right? Like the Cubs are like, yeah, Belly, you go out and be a $30 million a year player again next year. But if you want to opt out, that's cool too. You can do that, right? Show to Imanaga, hey, after two years or after the third year, we can both sit here and go, let's do a fifth year. Or they can both say, no, we'll stay put. Or if Shota wants more money, he can go, see you guys later. I'm out this mother. You know, it's it's giving the it's giving both sides the flexibility to do what they want. And it's not just all about just keeping people just tied down with these organizations and player relationships. And it gives everybody flexibility, more opportunities for money, whether that's through escalators, whether that's through options, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's it's a very fascinating time of the baseball contract. And I really do think we're going to start to see more of these. I wouldn't be surprised if two of the three Boris clients remaining take some type of contract similar to Bellinger's in terms of it's a lot of options. It's a lot of maybe an escalator or two. It's going to be things like that, that we're going to ultimately see here. Um, Scott from confirms it here for us. He says confirmed what has seven years of opt-outs in the last three are club options. It's it's crazy. It's a bananas contract when you read into the, the, the nitty gritty and finer details of it. Um, but again, it's fascinating. That's that's truly where you know things are are, are starting to go here, and we're we're really starting to see more and more and more of it um, as things persist on. But gentlemen, um, we we've talked about Bellinger long enough. We've got more players we want to discuss because. At the time, people were freaking the fuck out thinking these, these were the signings to replace Bellinger. Um, but guys that we haven't had a chance to talk about here on the show, Dominic Smith, um, David Peralta, both signing minor league deals with the Cubs. Um, and then most recently, Garrett Cooper, right-handed hitting first baseman, also signing a minor league deal with the Chicago Cubs. Very, very, very interesting additions. Uh, certainly at this point, depth additions. And Juice, I know you're just chomping at the bit to talk about Garrett Cooper because you're a sicko and you love looking into these guys' stats. So I want to give you the floor first here and, and and share some of the findings that you have about this guy. Yeah, so it was really weird because I was sitting there watching and looking at, at who was still available. And I got on this, this little rabbit hole of myself where I was like, oh, I wonder what made things in Milwaukee so successful for Craig Council. And – I got to the end, and, and I thought about all the times the Cubs had played, you know, up there in Milwaukee, and they lost. And if you look at a lot of – looking back in my memory and looking back at box scores, a lot of one-run games, right? The Cubs and Brewers, over the course of their rivalry, it's been a run here, a run there that, that ends up winning or losing the game. And it always seems like the Brewers had these guys who, in the moment, when it was big, were able to produce – and I think Garrett Cooper is a council guy. And I'm not going to say that he's going to make the team. I don't know. I think that there's going to be a lot of conversations for that. But I started diving in. He plays pretty good defense. At the end of the day, he's a pretty good defender. He's, you know, a good clubhouse guy. But there was one stat that just blew my mind when I looked up deeper and deeper and deeper. And this is how deep I got into it. I got into runners and or batting average with runners in scoring position. That's how deep I got into looking at these numbers before I finally ding light bulb went off. This is why they brought this guy in. At a minimum of 100 at bats, I think 100 is a pretty good sample size for us to go about. If you were to look up the leaders in batting average with runners in scoring position, you would find Garrett Cooper at 21st. What's up, 
incredible. He hit 330 with runners in scoring position. Damn. That's something that, I mean, if you look around the league, there are guys who hit like 230, 210, 220. We're talking about good players, guys that we, you know, look and pay big money to. But Cooper, 330 in 94 plays appearances. That's crazy. His OPS plus two was crazy off, off the chain too. So it's not like he's just dunking singles left and right. That's just not yeah. what we're talking about. But when the when the moment was he needed to get it done, that was the guy that came through. And then I went back to council. And I started thinking, what are the things that Craig Council did up there in Milwaukee that made him so special? And it was cut down on runs. And when they needed the big moment, it seemed like the guys who were on the field were going to deliver. And that's a Craig Council guy right there. Plays defense and hit with runners in scoring position. And that's why I don't think this is just a minor league invite. I think this guy has a really potential has the potential to make the team. I don't know if he's gonna, but let's be completely honest, guys. 330 with runners in scoring position is not a bad bat if you have enough, you know, come off the bench or in your everyday life. I mean, there's more, there's more to this, but I think at the end of the day, we're looking at a guy who has a real shot to make this team. I, I don't know much about Dom Smith or you know, Peralta, because I think that that's, you know, more of a, a younger, you know, for Don Smith-wise, a younger play in Peralta is more like a veteran clubhouse presence that maybe they can bring up and down eventually. But I truly think that this kid, Garrett Cooper, has a chance to make the team. I really do, because he's at a position that that's not a question marks to it. And I think if you're going to pay Bellinger $30 million, you're going to want that defense instead of field. So, if there's a chance here, I don't know how great he's going to be, but 330 last year, there's a reason he brought it in. There's guys who are still, you know, signed to bigger deals that didn't perform in those moments as well as he did. I think there's there's one notable thing here too to keep in mind with a guy like Cooper and then Nick Joey. I want to I want to hear from the two of you on these guys as well before we continue on our our rundown. I think the biggest thing with Cooper here, right? Like you see Smith and Peralta come in. Those are left-handed bats. They're more left-handed hitting. You look at the first base position right now for the Cubs. Cody Bellinger, if he plays there, left-handed bat. Michael Bush, left-handed bat. Matt Mervis, left-handed bat. Garrett Cooper's a right-handed bat. It's the one thing they don't have at the first base position. So I agree with you, Juice. I mean, if they're looking at this and they're saying, hey, we like having Patrick Wisdom's power on the bench as well, but we want a guy that's maybe a little more of a traditional first baseman to also carry on the roster and, and maybe make a guy like Patrick Wisdom more of the every-other-day guy at third to, to supplement a, a Christopher Morell at that position. I, I think that's where Cooper really comes in because of that right-handed hitting ability as a first baseman, and, that, and that's just the one thing I wanted to add. Uh, Nick, Joey. Your guys' thoughts on some of these minor league signings. I think the Smith and Peralta things, like you said, Juice, are truly just depth additions at this point for the Cubs. Guys that are a little more major league ready that can come up in a pinch when they need it. Um, but Nick and Joey, I, I want to hear from you guys as well here and see if anything differs in your eyes. Sure, yeah. No, I, I definitely think that, you know, Smith and Peralta, you know, they're depth pieces. Peralta, I believe, is dealing with an injury from last year. Um, so, you know, it he could be like a depth, bring him up and down, but I agree with juice. I think Garrett Cooper definitely has a chance to make the team, especially after hearing those wonderful statistics there. I mean, you can, that, that's a guy you can foresee making the team. And when I saw that initially, the first thing that came to my mind was Matt Mervis. I went, 
okay, they're they're putting a, a backup piece in because we're already a little, you know, how is he going to do? You know, he has not proven himself yet. He has an uphill battle, let's be honest with ourselves. So this just kind of, you know, kind of solidified that. And I saw that as well, Ron. I, I saw a righty and I was like, okay, only right-handed first baseman that we have on the roster. So it makes sense. So, you know, these are guys that I think um, Jed is putting in as backup pieces. Even uh, Don Smith and Peralta in the minor leagues, if they end up there, they're, they're backup guys. Um, so it, I think it's good. You always need depth. So it was nice to see. But I also saw that and went, okay, we're probably not going to be getting Bellinger now. <laughs> and panicked a little bit. But then I came to my senses and was like, no, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah, 100%. Jeremiah asked a little bit earlier in the comments uh, section here just about uh, is Mervis going to be traded because now the, the first base position becomes quite crowded um, between minor league invites and, and guys that are already in the system. Joey, anything else you want to add here about some of these guys? Um, great point, Jeremiah, because um, that's something I think we're going to talk about here in a second. But, no, Juice and Nick, I really agree. I think um, – Garrick was just a solid, solid player. Like he's ha- he's had some really good seasons there with Miami, and um, you know he he just he seems kind of like that doubles machine type of dude um, to me. And you know, it, for what it's worth, too, Fangraphs roster resource agrees with you, Juice. That was one of the first things I looked at this morning. Um, just as we you know we do these show preps and we look at different things, and I looked. And I saw Garrett Cooper down at the bottom of the roster on the active roster for opening day. He's projected there as a non-roster invite. And the guy that got squeezed out, it looks like, I think, was Master Boney, um, which I wouldn't hate. Um, so, but, like, we're, we're looking at this now, and I love the depth moves, too, because I think I think Dom Smith is a guy that he's shown some flashes. a former found pick. He's shown flashes, flashes in the past, had some decent numbers numbers in like 2019 2020 covid shortened year of course but like hard hit no um and it kind of tailed off a little bit from there and last year he really cut down his strikeout rate so maybe there's something to kind of build off of that with him um but again just kind of a flyer guy maybe you know see what he can do in the minors or um, cut bait when you need to um but you know i'm glad that they didn't give up anything for him because there was all the rumors about getting him um at one of these trade deadlines not too long ago so um, it's a flyer move for him and Peralta's kind of like towards the end of his career, it seems like at, at to some extent, but he's had some really good years too. Like with the D backs, I mean, the guy has had, he has a 30 home run season under his belt. So, um, as far as like when injuries take place and maybe some of these prospects come up that are knocking on the door and they don't quite pan out right away, but you still want to, uh, contend, you still want to win games. Like, all right, let's see what Peralta can do. He's, I like, love the veteran presence. It's almost like a David Bodie type in the minor leagues too, if you have to put them, uh, start them at AAA. So, um, which I really like, I think you need those clubhouse guys there, but, um, yeah, man, I really, really do. I never really was worried, I guess, like with the Bellinger thing, uh, when it came to any of these guys, cause that's just, just different tiers of, of players. But you look at the team now and like, look at how many first base, third base types they have. Like they have so many first base, third base, third baseman but like no solidified third base and like how long has it been it's been since kb and riz since we've had those solidified like pencil them in third base and first baseman so i'm hoping that like some answers get uh 
resolved here this season, whether it's Morrell, whether it's Bush, whether it's uh, Belly, Mervis, whoever. Um, yeah, and I, I know, you know, Juice, I know you guys all want to see Morrell at third. And I will be one of the first people to say, I, uh, I wasn't quite sold on his defense at third. I'm still not, I still want him to prove it to me, like consistently, consistency wise. Um, you know, and I know that he hasn't given, been given many opportunities there. So, like, I'm willing to see the opportunity there from his standpoint because the bat will play anywhere. I mean, he's just electric. So if you can if you can pencil him in the third base every day and then just kind of platoon, maybe that's uh, Bush and Belly and uh, Cooper at first base. Cool, man. Like, that kind of brings us to that next point about some trades. Maybe that's a wisdom trade. I don't know. Yeah. And, and, go ahead, just – Sorry, no, and that's like going to Morrell real quick. We're just going to stop on it, and then I'll, I'll let you take it, Ron. The, we had Ramos Ramirez at third for how many years? I mean, mm-hmm. he wasn't a great third baseman either. I mean, he had more feel for the position, but if you remember – He like, got better, though. He started out not that right, great. Right, but in 03, he was awful, probably the same level where Morrell's but more time mm-hmm. in position, he got better and better and better. And he was never a gold glove candidate. But I mean, he was serviceable. I think it comes down to like, you got to find a position for that bat every day. And if it's got to be third, you're just going to have to live with the fact that you have one position on your infield that you worry about a guy hitting the ball. And then honestly, I think with time, Morrell's going to get good at, good at that position. I mean, he played second really well, I thought. Out of all the positions that, you know, we've seen him at, second base, I thought he was the most confident. I think it comes down to the arm slot. I mean, throwing the first is like it's a problem for him, it seems like. And I don't know if he's – I don't know if he's, like, figured out or done more drills, but his arm slot over this course of this spring training just – it looks higher. And that's that just is better. I know that's – they've always – I'm not a third baseman and I don't coach infield, but I do know that there are a lot of guys that as I watched, you know, his grading and stuff like that, and people who knew what they were talking about, they always talk about how low his arm slot was. And hopefully that's something that seems fixed and throwing the bases is a lot easier from here on out. But yeah, Joey, I, I hope he can play that position because you're talking about a KB level output offensively with the bat. And if he's just average at third or a little bit below you can live with it if he's going to hit 40 home runs yeah and no you, you you feel a lot more comfortable too with a guy like dansby swanson being able to help him cover that hole as well defensively that's going to make up a lot of maybe some of those plays that morell isn't going to make necessarily on a day-to-day basis and that's okay like again if you if you're getting that average output a couple of fun uh Fun comments here, Jeremiah said P. Wizzy and Frank the Tank in 2021 was a legendary combo. Um, so there, there is a couple of things that, that we still need to get to. Jeremiah, we are going to mention Lisa, and we're, we're going to save that here for uh, toward the end of the show. But Hank brought up a comment here a little bit earlier, and I want to get your guys' takes on it. It wasn't on, the, on our slot for tonight, but it, it's such a good question that I think it's worth – chalking up for discussion and he goes to say since the end of the season everyone here agreed that the Cubs needed to sign resign belly and get another big bat like a Soto and Alonzo etc he says has everyone changed their minds or are they hoping one of the kids step up 
And I, I would love to hear from you guys here because I think me personally, at this point, you have to look to the kids to step up. And I think that's a, such a big reason as to why we're seeing Craig Council as the manager of this ball club. He's going to get the most out of the youth of this team. They're banking on a guy like Michael Bush to have the output that he had in AAA, right? And even if he's 75% of that output at the major league level, that's still a really good baseball player that you acquired for a bunch of potential and a prospect that's a prospect until he's not a prospect anymore in Jackson Ferris. So, you know, who's to say that that's not the guy that comes up and breaks out? I think we're. I think people are underselling the fact that I think Christopher Morell is going to have a huge season. I think he's going to hit forty juice. I'm right there with you. Like I think he is a forty home run guy this year. I think a lot of people also are losing sight of the fact that like Seiya Suzuki was one of the best players in baseball the last two months of the season. Like yeah. even if even if he's eighty percent of that player that was a nine thirty eight OPS player. Like that right there is where you can get some of that additional output and. And even with Bellinger last year, everybody's like, oh, well, Belly's such a huge piece. Yes, Belly, Belly became the consistent run, like just the run producer, right? It wasn't always by the home run, but he had the clutch at-bats. He would hit he hit 300, and he almost drove in 100 runs without playing a full season. They're going to get the pop from elsewhere, and I think you could get other guys like Michael Bush and some of the other guys to step up and fill in some of that, that production. Now, granted, the Cubs got a hell of a lot of money coming off the books for next season. And they're going to have a lot of flexibility to maybe chase a Pete Alonzo, chase a Juan Soto if they really want to get crazy with it. But at least for right now, I think they have the group internally to at least. And again, you have to see what some of these kids can do because right now from a, a, a projection standpoint, like who's to say Owen Casey's not a thumper in this lineup for years to come, right? You're, we're not going to know until these guys at least start to get a chance to be able to do that. And if you fill in with, too many big names, you're never going to see if that's a possibility. So I, I think that's what this season's about for the Cubs. Is 2024 is what do we have? What do we need? And then in 2025, if you still have a lot of needs, that's when you dip into the free agency market and you can address some of those because the money becomes available. So I think it's, you know, it's still go for, you know, it, the young kids need to step up here. And I think that's what it becomes. What's up, Joey? Yeah, just building off what you're saying there. I just want to hammer home a point from earlier when I was probably cutting out and chopping up. Am I okay? To, can you hear me? We can hear you. You're still choppy, but we can hear you. Ah, shit. All right. Well, uh, I'll just chop it up real quick. <laughs> um, I, the, You know how many fan bases would love to be in the Cubs position right now? Like to have money to spend and to have this many top prospects, like every small market team – they just wait for their prospects all the time. So now that you have that flexibility, like actually one of these dudes are going to pop up and strike and be that prospect that's not just a prospect. He comes up and is really good. Like that's going to happen. And I think you just get in where you fit in. So I'm not saying you want to rely on that, but it does like it directly correlates to what you're saying about next offseason and not going all in every offseason, which they clearly didn't go all in this offseason. But it wasn't that type of offseason because there are so many still question marks about which player where and what position where and where can you put him and where can he play actually play um, around who. So, I mean, like, I guess they're just in such a beautiful spot going back to everything we said. But I do I wouldn't be surprised either, like going back to Garrett Cooper for a second, if Michael Bush and I know he was like blocked in L.A., we don't want to block guys here, and there's there's no real blockage for him between first base and third base and DH. Uh, there's just a lot of big – there's just a group of guys. It's a group of names. 
But I feel like with Bush, I wouldn't be surprised either if he started at AAA, if he if he doesn't show that he's ready during spring. Because I feel like he's kind of in prove it to the Cubs coaching staff and Cubs front office that he's clearly ready this season. I'm not saying that's going to happen because he's projected in the lineup right now. Like everybody's projecting him in the lineup. Can I just wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. Like, can he was start to I think so, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm about 95% sure he can technically. Let me, let me look up his options. I, maybe he is out of options, and I'm clearly a dumbass, but. I don't know. Either yeah. either way, I mean. <laughs> it could be, you could be right, though. I don't know. I'm going to look. I don't know. I, I probably threw a confusion on there, but I didn't know it. I thought because of the trade and, and dumping 40-man, it meant that he had to kind of be. I know that he could be on the 40-man roster and go up and down, but I. I thought he no, he's got two options, it says, but okay. Well, that's what it says. I don't know, that could be wrong, but I feel like so. I think he had to be on the 40 man for sure, but I think he could have he could bounce still between active and yeah, I think. No, yeah, but I, I just want to, I also it. still, yeah, I also still think he's going to be on the active roster. I'm just tossing that out as an idea though, too, because like. There's just no guarantees. And, like, when we look at the depth of this team, and that's why I think that a trade really at some point is going to happen before the season because, yes, you want the depth that they have. You want all these guys to position, like, endless amount of, of talent at different positions that can just be tossed in at injuries, um, you know, whatever, whenever the timing is needed, when guys struggle. But, like, you look at the likes of the team with Mike Talkman, Nick Madrigal, Pesdum, uh, Garrett Cooper now, you could toss him into the ring. Like, there is just a big group of names there that – and Miles Master Boney. Solid ball players because Master Boney, whatever, Boner, he played a lot better down the stretch last season. So, like – and you can see why they really traded for him. I just feel like there's a group of guys that are solid players that might be useful to other ball clubs that you're getting on that uh, team control type of contract, bargain bin price, that if the Cubs were to trade now – this is where that total cycle comes into play because you have all the depth that they're creating, but now you can trade high A or uh, low A type of hot like prospect arm, potential high potential or flyer type of arm. Think of like Daniel Palencia or somebody like that. So I I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case and they just kind of keep churning this thing out because now some of those prospects are moving up. You could use a little bit of replenishing down there at the uh, low A and high A levels, and that's something we really didn't see throughout the time with the core and maybe those are the adjustments that uh, like Jed Hoyer in the front office and scouting department are, are starting to make this time around. I'm hoping that's the case, but I could yeah, see a and, path where that happens. Yeah. And, and quickly uh, Skokes said it with Bush. He said, had some quality ABs today, uh, two walks and a single. Yeah. So you, you got to like what you're seeing there, Nick, I want to give you the floor here before Joey fucking steals it all from you. I'm kidding, Joey. Um, sure, but I want your, as I'm want your thoughts. Too. I want your thoughts here too, just on you know where 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 does this you know the big production come from since they're not adding another bat besides Bellinger? Yeah, you know, uh, last year I was someone that was definitely wanting them to add another bat besides Bellinger. I thought that that was, you know, you had to get Bellinger back because you had to just get the baseline, and that's how I looked at it. After they hired Craig Council, though my mind had changed a little bit because I do believe that they are looking to the younger guys. They're looking to that farm. And you made a great point, Ron, that 
ultimately, if you keep going and filling the slots with big talent guys, you're never going to know what you do have in the farm. Um, and there comes a time when they need to come up. But this is that off season where they're like half throttle trying to figure it out. And then I feel like next year they're really going to they're going to compete this year for sure. I do think they're going to be a contender for sure, especially with the division. But next year they'll know they'll have a lot more questions answered, hopefully. And I really think that's going to take place. Um, I think Juicy mentioned it third and first, or maybe Joey did third and first. It hasn't really been a guy that you can just pencil in, you know, for a long time. And and that does feel odd, but I think Morel could definitely be that guy at third. Who knows? Bush could really have some great potential there. Um, And even maybe Matt Mervis does prove himself. Maybe he takes a giant jump and eventually he's someone that you could see there. But ultimately I think the Cubs are in a great spot. I agree with Joey completely. I am just ecstatic to be a Cubs fan because they just show you year in and year out that they, you know, they're in it. They want to compete. And the Mets are a really good example. Steve Cohen and the Mets are a really good example. You can't just throw money at a baseball team and then win. That's just not how it works. And I think that the contracts, you know, this year are kind of showing that people are understanding more and more that you draft well, you you hit on a few guys here and there, and then you pick your spots where you're going to spend that money and you do it very wisely yeah. and things can happen. So I feel like the Cubs are in a great position. And, you know, like I said, I'm just excited to be a Cubs fan. I'm excited for this year in general. Yeah, 100%. Really quick here, and this is Jeremiah. I'm not calling you out here at all, buddy, but you prompted the the, the question. He says, is this year 2015? No. This team is not at all like 2015. And I think that's something – and I appreciate drawing compar- you know, parallels to teams of the past and stuff like that, but 2015 was very different. 2015 was a bunch of youth coming to the major league level with a, a very small amount of proven guys. And even guys that were quote-unquote proven, like Anthony Rizzo, were still only entering their fourth full year in the big leagues. Not even that, third full year in the big leagues. It was the it was John Lester, you know, it was Jake Arrieta, it was John Lackey were like the quote-unquote veterans. And it was a lot of youth. It was Jorge Soler. It was, you know, Dexter Fowler was one of the few veterans on that team. They relied more on the youth to be the the engine of that team. They're not going to rely on that this year. This year, it's the youth can come up, and if a couple of these young guys are two and a half war players this year, that's the difference between making the playoffs and making noise in the playoffs. And that's where I think they're hoping that these guys come in, where then going into 25, some of these guys are coming in and, and being more. So I don't know if it really is. And he says in comparison to the World Series window, I, I don't think it, it's even that in the in this twenty fifth, you know, twenty fifteen, because this is such a unique aspect of something that we've never seen with the Cubs. They have major league talent at the major league level, established ball players like Ian Happ and Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson, and and now Cody Bellinger returning to the fold, and you have a sprinkle of youth in to help supplement that already ready big league talent. And you have a lot of, right. And they never were able to continue to do that with the core. And that's the difference here. So, you know, it's, it's not the year 2015, it's the year 2024. And this is going to be a whole new Cubs team that I don't think any Cubs fan in history has seen. When, when have we seen a top farm with a team at the major league level that still won 80 plus games the year prior? Never. 
It's never happened before. This team's a unicorn. The 2023 team was a unicorn in my eyes, I, and I fully believe the 2024 team is as well. Uh, gentlemen, quickly to some other thoughts here so we can get to some of other topics. We have, we're already at the 52-minute mark. Um, Lisa on the scoop. Great job, lady. I don't know where the hell she got the source, but that was impressive. I mean, pulled it off. You love to see it, and we're we're very grateful for her. She's getting her fame now, calling it out. And I love that Jeff was willing to at least give her the credit. Lisa was right. Good old Jeff yeah. Passon, being a man <laughs> of the people as he always is. Um, in addition, gentlemen, and this is kind of the, the 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 last big analysis topic I wanted to get to before just some fun quick hitters before we close the show out. Is are there still going to be more moves? And Joey, you kind of hinted at this a little bit, right? With some of the the trade ideas because of the depth, a lot of people are still clamoring for for the Chapman signing at third base. A lot of people are saying that the Cubs are still reportedly interested. Just remember, people, every rumor you hear about the Cubs tied to a player, you take with a pound of salt, according to Jed Hoyer, because just because the Cubs are linked to him doesn't mean they're actually linked to him. Uh, what do you guys think here as, as we kind of start to wane into the real heart of spring training? What kind of moves do you think the Cubs will make? Do you think it's a, a, a trade for, you know, maybe some minor league depth or maybe a relief pitcher that needs a change of scenery with some of this, you know, with some of these hitting talents, like maybe it's a Nick Madrigal or somebody of that nature. What are, what are, what are your guys' pulse on that idea with a potential trade in the works? And Joey, you were the one that would did initiate the thoughts. So I, I want to give you the floor first here and, and get your thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, so like I said, with that idea of players being useful, the Cubs have done a really good job of identifying which players are kind of like the scraps of who you can rejuvenate, right? Like we've seen it even with relief pitchers with David Robertson, old old man comes in here off injury, the reclamation project, and then turns out a good year. Patrick Wisdom, a little bit of a younger player, but like kind of a cast off former top guy, Turns out to have a lot of power at the major league level. Mike Talkman, uh, kind of a cast off, had nowhere to go really. A high on base guy, clubhouse guy, good defender, game saving catches, all that. Like Madrigal, say what you want about him. We're not huge fans of him, but like he's still played really solid defense at third, even though it looks disgusting and ugly, and he slaps singles. So, like, okay, solid, useful player, right? So, like, I think you can turn some of these guys and cut a little bit of salary, even though they're not much. They're not going to be much to a team, but this could be the difference in picking up maybe a J.D. Martinez to go, you know, I know that's somebody who juice and, like, we've been talking, juice, I know you really want him, or you, you, you're at least like the idea of that. Um, so, like, if you if you do cut a little bit of salary and, like, find to the, engi- uh, the edges of, like, the fringe guys – and just get like a prospect and then are able to make, you know, a $12 million deal, one year deal for JD Martinez or something like that. Go a little bit over the the first threshold there for the CBT or the luxury tax. Um, don't want the second penalty the penalty. I think it's like 257 million. They're around like 234 million right now. So if I'm looking for looking at everything, right. Um, so if you cut a little bit of cost, get rid of those fringe guys, um, that are in their ARB years or whatever, um, then you can do a $12 million deal, go a little bit over, and you still have a little bit of money to spend 
as far as like trades go, if you want to make additions at the deadline, uh, which we've been talking about too in our in our chats. Um, so that's really what I want to see, uh, like a, a, a trade and then a sign. Trade for a minor league piece, maybe a high upside or like flyer type of player. Uh, cut a little bit of the fat, even though it's not necessarily fat, and then uh, make another signing, whether that's a rotation guy, like, uh, you know, long long relief type guy, or a J.D. Martinez could be really helpful. Nick, any thoughts? Yeah, you know, I don't know if I see them making any more moves, honestly. Um, the only thing that I could kind of see maybe is Chapman. Um, but I've never really been high on him. And I don't think, you know, Jed and the staff is that high on him. I personally don't see them making any more moves. I hope they do. And I like Joey's trade idea right there. Um, the only thing I could see maybe is like a trade or a small signing. But I feel like they're kind of like they're going with Bellinger. They have Craig Council. They're going to rely a lot on the young players. It sounded like a lot of young talk even from Craig's own mouth. So, Overall, I think they're just going to roll with what they got. Yeah, no, I, I think that's certainly a possibility as well. Juice? Uh, yeah, I mean, looking at what where they're at now, I, I don't see them adding payroll at this moment. I, I mean, I think, and to go back to the last conversation, we were talking a lot about, you know, decisions being made on some of these guys. I think the timeline's even further up than that. I think decisions are going to be made in this first half of the baseball season because you're going to use one of those guys to trade for somebody that you need to fill a position of need at the moment. So I, I think whoever is in the system is going into this year with, I'm hoping I produce early and often in this first you know couple months of the year because you really truly need to separate yourself as a keeper opposed to a trade piece going into this you know, middle of the season because we talked about, you know, the CBT and we talked about the regional sports networks and things like that. There's going to be a, a slew of names that I think the Cubs are really likely to be in. On. And it may be a couple guys who are, you know, going to be going into free agency. And it's also an opportunity to show what Wrigley and what Chicago is all about. So in terms of the prospects, I, I think that we've kind of got, the roster set where it is. Yeah, I talked about Martinez, but after looking at you know the the payroll and, and where that's at, I just don't see the Cubs going into that first threshold until midseason because I think it'll allow them to get right back under it quickly going into next offseason, opposed to spending the whole year at that. And if they do, there's a great comment here in the in the uh, in the chat here about if you're going to go into that first threshold, you might as well go as far as you can because you don't want to lose that draft pick by barely going over. So, I mean, Do you lose it, though? I thought it was just a tax. Is it... No, there's, there's draft picks attached. into. I thought they uh, changed that, didn't they? I don't know. We'll have to look, but I'm pretty sure that that's a... <laughs> I get so confused with the CBT. It changes. Anyways. Yeah, whatever. But either way, regardless – you might as well go all the way into that full threshold anyway because you might as well maximize the amount of dollars you're spending you're already in it. So, I mean, you might as well more players add more talent into your player field while you're while you're doing it already. Why go two to three million into it when you can keep going and add another bat or add another pitcher or reliever 
or whatever. Yeah, but, I think it's going to be too much more. Like, I don't think Ricketts is going to want – like, we're we're going off of what Ricketts is wanting to do with the overage costs, right? Like, Yeah, but Mike, you're only doing bigger. that for three months. It's not – you're not – and you're also not – and it's not the full contract either. Opposed to if you go into it now, it's prorated. Full year. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, no, it'll it'll be interesting to see. We we got a couple here, uh, a couple of signed Trevor Bowers uh, in the comments section, and I mean, uh, that's if he's gonna play. I don't even know if a team's gonna take a chance on him. I think a lot of teams have just said it's too much of a headache and. That's something they don't want to deal with. I, I know Scott follows it up and says, yeah, he's a dick, but the Cubs have enough leadership to control him. I think the Cubs like the way their locker room is, and I think that's a big reason why um, that they wouldn't do it. And Rob's right. I mean, they could effectively sign him for effectively the league minimum and not go into the CBT. So that is certainly something to think about. But um, as it stands right now, a little bit of a breakthrough. This is per Spotrack. Um Online, it's this is the 2024 active competitive balance tax total. So the way it states, the 237 is the the first level of the threshold. With everything taken into account, and these are the things that are taken into account as part of this. Uh, it's the active AAV and the payroll for the Cubs right now. It's a hair over 201 million dollars. Uh, player benefits are thrown into that as well. Some minor league buried contracts. Think David Bodie. Uh, minor league contracts in totality. So these are just the general pre-arb minor league guys. Um, in addition, your pre-arb bonus pool contribution as well. Um, and then there's the estimated arbitration AV and, and payroll addition that gets lumped onto there at the end. So right now the Cubs are sitting at 230.67 million um, with that 237 on the horizon. So, they're about six, six and a half million, we'll call it off of that first uh, CBT number at that 237. And again, something that we discussed, um, you know, because the Cubs on Tap crew is always talking on the side, folks. Uh, you guys, you know, mentioned it that they're probably going to dip into that during the at the trade deadline. So you want to give yourself yeah. a little bit of flexibility. I mean, they might be able to, in theory, when it comes down to it at the deadline, maybe they're able to, you know, move some of that money that is tied to maybe a Drew Smiley, right? He's making, what, $10.5 million this year. Maybe they move him in a deal and say, yeah, we'll give you a little bit of a better prospect to keep us under the competitive balance tax, and you're able to move a guy and, and, and bring him in and, and stay under that number. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, it'll, But there's there's certainly a, a ton of things. Scott says, don't forget the Hayward Retirement Fund. Yes, that is, uh, that is calculated into there, Scott, amongst other things. Uh, Hayward this year for his deferred – salary um the he is actually because uh, the salary for players uh defer to the current year he is not counted actually as a part of the cbt so his five million dollars doesn't count toward the active payroll um but guys that do count toward the active payroll this year in the form of retained salaries include trey mancini for seven million dollars uh cody bellinger's five and a half million dollar opt-out uh, money that he was automatically due as a part of that contract from a season ago uh tucker barnhart still being due to 3.25 million dollars um and even brad boxberger for 800k so those are some of the other names to to keep in mind that the cubs are still paying going into the season gentlemen We've cast the hour mark. I want to get one more thing from each of you here, and it can be something quick. It doesn't need to be super elaborate by any stretch of imagination. Spring training is officially here. This is the first time we've had a large, substantial show in the spring training into spring training games now. 
Um, obviously, we had Cole Wright on right before um, spring training games started last week. And the last couple of shows just in general have been very guest centric. Justin Steele, Jack McMullen, and obviously the latest is Cole Wright. So now uh, this has been our first time to really talk about spring training. And we're only four games in. Cubs will play their fifth game on uh, Tuesday when most of you will probably listen to this in podcast form. But if you're with us live, that'll be tomorrow. Something that you've seen so far, something that you're still yearning to see, what is just one spring training thought that you have for those listening uh, to get the old, you know, the old wheel spinning in everybody's heads about Cubs baseball and, and what to look for and or what you're maybe have already seen or, or continuing to look for here in spring training juice. I want to give you the floor here first, buddy. I'm going to put you on the spot. What is one thing um, that you are just super, you know, it's it's your focus right now when it comes to spring training? For it to be over. If you guys remember last year, I hate spring training. You hate spring training. I I, I get it. I get it. And now, mind you, like, I've watched a little bit more than I probably have in the past, just strictly because there are some interesting roster competitions going on right now. Just trying to see who gets the leg up. Uh, I guess, I guess, like, for the time being, it's good to see, like, Brendan Davis at bats. That's, mm. that's what I've been kind of yeah. excited about. They've been really good ones. Um, I do want to clear something up. The draft pick status only applies to the Rule 5 draft for the CBT, and you only get dropped back uh, 10 places, and you have to be in there 60 million or more. So as you go up, you actually start to affect your draft pick. Um, just to clear that up, because I know we were sitting in here not knowing. Mm. We always try to close all no, the – No, that's good. Close all the I's and dot all the T's as we can here. Um, but yeah, I uh, I like the Brendan Davis events. That's that's something that I've really been interested in. He's playing very well. It's also been something that uh, I think could maybe impact the ball club. You know, I mean, injuries happen, and who knows? We may have to throw him in. It's just nice to see all the things that Justin Steele said on our episode about Brendan being healthy and excited. You know, and and how much talent he has. It's just nice to see him uh, come back and have some success so far this spring. 100%. Nick? Yeah, you know, I agree with Juice to some extent. When I hear the crack of the bat, though, I just get excited. I really do because my favorite sport is back, and I feel it. Um, But one thing I've been, like, really focusing on is PCA and specifically his bat. I just want to see, like, if he is going to just come out and just start, you know – being the PCA that we know him to be as a prospect. So I've been kind of, and I like the blue hair. I'm not going to lie. I love the blue hair. I like it. I will say one thing with PCA that I have noticed in the two games that were televised with him in the lineup pretty routinely. Um, It seems like he is, you can tell he's worked on what to do with that high heater. And even if he can't catch it, he's at least fouling it off, which was something last year he was just completely swinging and missing on. So I agree with you, Nick. That is, that is something that I have noticed and watched as well. Um, Joey. You got anything for us? I'm really intrigued by it. And I, yeah, absolutely. I'm loving watching all these young guys uh, compete right now. But and Brandon Davis just looks healthy, man. That's that's the fun part too. That like we're we're finally seeing that what he's capable of. Um, yeah, or we're getting another taste of what he's capable of because we haven't seen it in a while. Um, and I think that's cool. Um, but like I'm lo- really interested in what's going to happen with the bullpen and just the pitching which I know is really weird, but it's it's important to this team. Uh, yep. So who's going to be here? Who's going to have to get waived if anybody 
Um, there's a lot of non-roster invites that got minor league contracts this offseason that I think could make potentially an impact, but it's like who do you squeeze out to, to get there? There's guys without options like uh, Leiter. I think Yancey Almonte is another one. Um, there's some guys in there that like, all right, they're going to be on the roster. Um, I'm looking at the lefties too, particularly because Drew Smiley, you brought him up in maybe like a trade fashion to kind of cut some some bait there, maybe attach a prospect to him. I don't hate the idea. I do think that they are kind of looking at him as one of the their lefties going into the season, which I don't feel about it. I think he's he's definitely working on some things that could make him better. He was pretty decent down the stretch uh, at the end of the, the year when he got opportunities out of the pen. But, like, Richard Lovelady, I know we're talking about him. Dick Lovelady, uh, great name. But, like, he's just got – it's the extension, man. I, there's something – so far, two innings, no hits, two Ks. Um, and then, you know, Little is another one that we've talked about here. Um, but I want to go – I'm just going to kind of tease this because I want to actually turn this into an article and just look at it a little bit more in depth, just the pitching as a whole. So th- that's kind of what I'm looking at right now, though. It's just the roster fringe players. and Because, uh, I mean, honestly, guys, like, Juice, when you say you hate spring training, it's like I look at all this stuff. People are overreacting about uh, uh, Hayden Wisniewski and Javier Assad. It's like all the bad stuff that you look at, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Like, guys are working on stuff. We've heard all this in the past. Justin Steele's been on the show and has mentioned as much. Like, they talk about it all the time. You could be just working on something in particular. I don't look at any of the bad stuff but when i see positive encouraging signs for players that's the stuff i'm really looking for like that i will take more uh, away from the good than i do the bad i think and i I think that's just how you have to look at spring training not that you can just look at the good and say that's always going to be good too but the encouraging signs are what we're looking for yeah 100%. 100%. Absolutely all things to, to keep in mind there. A couple of comments regarding our topic at hand here. I am Skokes said Ben Brown got them heaters uh, was his takeaway. Jeremiah, he just wants to see a real lineup put together for one game. You probably won't see it until closer to opening day, but it, it'll come eventually. We'll, we'll start to see something that resembles an opening day lineup. Scott says Hudson is leading the team in batting average and RBIs, and Brendan Davis is back um and consider uh continuing from david snyder um this was in relation to a little while ago but he said funny the cubs actually signed two former all-stars at about the same time uh but nobody nobody even knows who cooper is cooper was an all-star in 2022 with the marlins um he said cooper great depth piece uh completely overlooked uh by most of cubs fandom uh i I agree with you guys and you know I, i agree in the in the sense of you know we're just ready for real baseball but I think the thing I've enjoyed the most, especially in these early games, is just getting a taste of the top prospects because these are guys that maybe for one reason or another we don't get to see as much juice. We're not as lucky to to live right outside of Four Winds Field like you are to see a lot of these guys at the high A ball level. But, you know, if for the common fan that maybe doesn't follow the minor leagues as much, this is the opportunity where you get to see a lot of those guys. And I think we've gotten – a lot of those guys so far and and a lot of the bounce back guys too. I think the Brendan Davis thing truly at the core of my soul is the thing that excites me the most, but it's been really cool to see Matt Shaw. It's been really cool to see PCA and and Kevin Alcantara and, and and all of these guys really come in and and get meaningful innings so far early here in spring. I'm still very much waiting on, you know, to see some of these other top guys like Owen Casey and, and some of them, but it's this is the time of the year that you get to see that, right? And 
you know, just to your point, I think this is a different spring training year because there are so many position battles, right? So many years. I remember spring training when the Cubs were in that competitive window. Nobody gave a rat's ass about spring training because you already knew who was on the roster. You knew who was playing where. Um, There was nobody worth watching. Right, yeah. The the minors were not what they are now. So it's a very different, uh, you know, analysis and and things like that. Um, I just want yes or no answers to this one. This is being proposed by Scott. We're going to go real quick here because we got to shut this thing down. Do the Cubs start the season with a six-man rotation? Yes or no? Juice? No. Nick? No. Joey? No. I agree. I also say no. Wouldn't mind it. They're not going to start the season though. Like that. No. I don't I don't think we'll I don't think we'll see a six man rotation. I, I think it'll be a true true five man rotation and that's uh that's what they'll continue to run. And there's, I know Juice just, and real quick, there's just too many off days. I knew I already knew where you were going. I saw your hand go up toward that calendar and I knew exactly where your mind was going. Too many off days for a six man. You're hundred percent right, especially early yeah. in the year. Uh they build in a lot of those off days early on to give guys rest. So um, rain delays. All the rain delays, all the rain delays. We'll get plenty of that as well. Uh, gentlemen, always a pleasure being joined by you guys. Belly's back, uh, and we're we're inching toward Cubs baseball from here on out. We're going to continue to try and get some guests on the show between now and opening day. Um, we will have our big full group show with all the season predictions and everything leading up to opening day as well. Um, super duper excited about that as always because that's the show we revisit at the end of the year and see who was completely off the rocker and who was spot on and who, who kind of nailed some of their uh their guesses at the start of the season so be on the lookout for that one that one's coming up here in a few weeks but march 1st is friday people we are inching closer to opening day uh as of friday it'll be 27 days and we get opening day baseball a day after i turn another year older um it'll be great we're all very excited about it and we appreciate everybody that's kept on the comment section has been awesome as always tonight and appreciate all of you that joined us here at cubs on tap for a little bit of a later show and and the, the second leg of a doubleheader uh, of Cubs coverage here at ONTAP Sportsnet following up the Dingers boys. As always, follow our friends over at Dingers at Digger Cubs. Follow us at Cubbies on Tap on the socials, at Juice on Tap, at Loose on Tap, at Nick underscore on Tap. Joey knows nothing. Teddy Freddy 270. You know the drill. Follow everybody. Um, also, big shout out. Go follow our boy at Silent Bob 2. Um, that's Bobby Foster. He's been killing it on the writing side for us. Uh, a newer addition to the Cubs team here um, to go give him some love and, and give him some follows as well on the socials because he's done an absolutely sensational job. You guys know the deal. Bulls, Bears, Blackhawks, we got it all. And yes, Cubs fans, your friends can go be with our friends and they can be miserable together because misery loves company over at Socks on Tap. OnTapSportsNet.com at OnTapSportsNet on the socials. The OnTapSportsNet. We're going to check out what's on tap in Chicago sports. One last what's... thing, Ron. Can I drop yep. in a little bit of Cub news? Yeah. Uh, Cubs are asking for $30 million to boost security outside Wrigley Field in hopes of having an all-star game. I saw that. I saw that. Very uh, potentially exciting. Very potentially exciting. It would be uh, be good to see the Midsummer Classic at, uh, at beautiful Wrigley Field. That would be one hell of a week. Um, in the world of baseball. They deserve it again. They sure do. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. It was good talking to you guys as always. Again, thank you to everybody that watched along live. We appreciate you jumping in the comment section and being part of the show as well. And always, boys, let's go Cubbies. Let's go Cubbies. Go Cubs. Um, You know, one more thing.